Hey, good morning, everyone. Trust you had a good Thanksgiving. The uh, Thanksgiving at the Gerace House ended with a six-on-six touch football game in the street. <clears throat> Didn't end real well, but it was fun. It was fun. People went away mad. The police were called, but it was all good. It was fun. Now, I trust you had a great Thanksgiving, and um, I'm so glad that you're with us here today. And uh, those of you that join us online, I want to wish my mom a happy birthday. It's my mom's birthday today. Happy birthday, Mom. Love you. Yeah. She's a good woman. I love my mama. Great. Good to have you guys here. Um, have you ever, some of you may may kind of geek out over this, so you may like doing this. Have you ever just studied your family tree and just interested in your family tree? I know now with uh, things like 23andMe, you can go back and look at your ancestry and see where you're from and all that stuff, and we've done that. There's a really interesting show called Finding Your Roots where they do this in-depth research on your uh, family tree, and uh, it's fascinating to know where your family tree uh, and, and, the, and the roots that you come from. Um, I was asking my dad some questions about the Gerace side of the family. My great-grandfather, Gerace Luigi Gerace, can you guess where he's from, right? He was from Sicily, and he came over, I think, in the late 1800s, and he came through Ellis Island, like many immigrants did from Europe, and when he came, he came by himself, because at that time, you had to come by yourself, because you had to have a place of employment, so he came by himself first, was working at a farm, and then he brought his young bride over. He was just newly married, 20 years old. Can you imagine coming to, you know, just a foreign country, all by yourself and then getting a job and then bringing uh, your newly married wife over and they did and <clears throat> through that my grandfather was born Antonio Gerace and uh, he was born he was one of nine children one of nine children and so that's our side of the family and the Dre side and uh, last summer we we're in New York City and we we're in a spot where you can actually see Ellis Island it's kind of like wow my great-grandfather came through there and now I'm sitting here watching that's kind of a neat thing to know where you uh, where you come from and when you look at people that uh, have come from another country specifically into the United States you don't move from from what you know and everything you know unless you're looking for a better life. Now, the, region, the reason why my great-grandfather Luigi uh, moved over is because he was going to head up a horse farm, and the horses all got hoof and mouth disease, and so they lost everything, and so many people were immigrating to the United States. So he said, well, let's start a new life, uh, and let's do what so many other people are doing, and let's move to the United States. It's estimated that in New York City alone, there are 800 languages close to 800 languages that are spoken in New York City alone. The amount of people that come and immigrate to the United States and stay in New York City is just, it's just, it's just incredible. Once again, you don't leave everything you know unless you're looking for something better. That's why many people immigrate to the United States. They're looking for something better, looking for a better life. Now, we are finishing up. This is the last uh, series in our series on the book of Ruth. And for those of you that have endured all 10 weeks, God bless you. So we are done today. The first service, I got one hand clap of one person who appreciated these 10 weeks of being in Ruth. If anything, you know this book if you sat through these 10 weeks. What's interesting about Ruth is Ruth is an immigrant that left everything she knew to follow her mother-in-law, Naomi, back to Naomi's hometown of Bethlehem. 
And what we've come to discover over these many weeks is that they lost everything. Naomi lost everything. She lost her husband. And we know that Ruth lost her husband and she had a sister-in-law and she lost her husband. So they have nothing there in Moab where they were living at the time. And so Naomi says, I'm going back to my hometown. I have to go back there. That's where my relatives are. And she tells her two daughter-in-laws, hey, by all means, go back to your people and your gods in your land of Moab. Get married and have children because none of them had children at the time. And so Orpah goes back, but Ruth doesn't. And what's interesting about Ruth is she risks everything to follow Naomi. Now, here's the difference about Ruth. Ruth wasn't necessarily going back to Israel, back to Bethlehem, to actually find a better life. In fact, for her, it was probably going to be worse. And Naomi was even telling Ruth, hey, Ruth, listen, this road has no prospects. She was actually discouraging her from following her. She goes, listen, you're a foreigner in this land. It it, it may be hostile to her, but there was something different about Ruth. What Ruth does is she follows Naomi and her God by faith, not knowing anything, not expecting anything, not having any expectations. Can I just pause here for just a minute in the story? Listen, I think for some people that want to follow Jesus or become a Christian, I think we can misunderstand our relationship with Christ in this manner. If you're looking to follow Christ simply because he's going to give you a better life, maybe physically or or, or prosperous life, I think you're going to be disappointed. And listen, I don't mean to wah, wah, wah right off at the beginning here. But listen, Jesus came to do something very specific for us. And this is what we're going to learn in chapter 4. And in chapter 4, we're going to see the reason why God did all he did in Ruth was to redeem her and to use her. And what God ultimately wanted to do for you and I sitting here 3,000 years later. The book of Ruth is all about you and I sitting here today. And what God can do through someone who has faith, who has complete faith, and believes a God who can work through her life. And that he can restore even the broken things in our lives. The things that don't make sense, God can use them and restore them for his ultimate glory. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't bless us or there's not joy in in serving the Lord, but we can't walk into Christianity and walk into our relationship with Jesus as just using Jesus as an add-on to our life. And saying, Jesus, I'll follow you, but I'm going to do other things too. As as long as you can do what you do and you bless me in my life, then I'll follow you. But how many of us know that Jesus never promises us that everything in this world is going to work out perfectly for you. In fact, following Jesus may be just the opposite. There may be times of persecution. There may be times of heartache. But how many of us know that for those that truly follow Christ and understand what he's done for us, there is a far greater purpose than what we see in the here and now. That he gives us something far greater than anything you could ever get in this world. And what Jesus tells us and tells us and told his disciples when he walked the earth, he says, don't look at the here and now. You will be disappointed. 
You will have tribulations. But take heart, I have overcome this world. And that's what gives us the hope and the joy to persevere through life's struggles, knowing that this world isn't all that there is. We follow Jesus for what he has done for us and how he has restored us from the bondage of sin and has set us free to have a right relationship with God. And there are so many blessings that go uh, with following Jesus and how he's restored us and and, and redeemed us. But life isn't always going to go the way we want. But if we truly trust God and know that he's in control, we will have a peace even in the midst of storms in our lives. And what I love about the story of Ruth is that she has no expectations. She just simply follows Naomi and says, I'm going to follow you. And this is what she says. This is what we learned right off in the first chapter of Ruth, verses 16 and 17. When, she, when Ruth was, you know, wanting to follow her, Naomi's trying to discourage her. Listen to what Ruth says. She's, don't, she says, don't urge me to leave you. Don't. Or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, even if death separates you and me. Amen to God's word. Listen to what Ruth says. Ruth embraces the God of Naomi and commits her life to follow Naomi, not knowing a clue of what was her future. And right now it wasn't bright and it was hopeless as we learned in chapter one. Ruth is destitute. She has no future. She has no money, but she trusts the God of Naomi. And Ruth knew that if Naomi had a chance to live, it would depend on her by giving up everything to serve her mother-in-law. Ruth is not an Israelite. She's moving to a place that could easily be hostile towards her. So Ruth finds herself, as they go back to Bethlehem, trying to get food for her and her mother-in-law. She's in the fields all day, gleaning on the edges of the harvest fields for those who are destitute and needed something to eat. Ruth is keeping herself and Naomi alive. But here's the thing that I love about Ruth. She never felt entitled or deserving a thing. But God is looking out for Ruth. He's taking all the bad things that have happened and he will redeem them and use them for his glory. Now, I can't explain to you why certain things happen the way they do. I wish I could, but I I can't explain to you why certain things happen the way they do. But I do know this one thing, that God is in control that God is a sovereign God and he can even take the bad things, the bad choices, the things that we've done and even redeem them for his good if we completely give ourselves to God for his plan and his purposes. And so what Ruth is doing is she's finding food in the fields of a member of Naomi's family and everything begins to change for Ruth in this field. As she's serving her mother-in-law, it's in a field of a man named Boaz who's a godly man who's a man who wants to honor God. And Naomi knows one thing, that this relative could be their kingsman redeemer, and it's a relative who could redeem them out of their their destitute place. And so from there, we see this relationship get established between Ruth and Boaz. And Boaz is this key to redeem them from their destitute situation. 
So let's jump in chapter four. I hope you guys like good endings. How many of you like a good ending to a movie? You guys like to get, I don't like to watch movies when it's wah, 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 right? So I hope you like good endings. Um, and, and this is a good ending. So let's read the end of the story. Ruth chapter four. We're going to be looking at verses 13 to 17. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And then he went to her and the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. And the women said this to Naomi. This is so amazing. Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a kingsman redeemer. Even the people in the town are seeing what God is doing in their lives. And this is what they said. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and she cared for him. And the women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. That is a good ending. If you're saying, why is that, Pastor? Hold on. Those of you watching online, don't get your coffee. You stay in your seats, okay? But this is, this is amazing, amazing how God restores brokenness. If you don't see the redemption of God in this story, I want you to know there's hope for every single one of you, no matter what your past is or what you did. This is why Jesus came. So as we started in chapter 1, we we start with this dismay and hopelessness. And now it's turned into joy and a hope for a new future. And even the people in the town are seeing this. It's prophetic. It's beautiful what God is doing right before them. And I want you to see something here. God took what seemed to be hopeless, a hopeless situation, and he ends up redeeming it for his glory. Verse 14 is incredible. The women who witnessed the birth of Ruth and Boaz's son praised God for what had happened and they gave God credit for this new life. The birth of Obed renewed and restored Naomi and actually gave her rest. You see, this story is so essential to you and me because the story changes our future also if we understand What's going on here? How? How? How do you ask? Well, from Obed's line would come King David. And what we know from biblical prophecy is the Messiah had to come through the tribe of Judah. It's a fulfillment of prophecy, which tells the Messiah would come through the tribe of Judah. And this is exactly what we're seeing in the birth of Obed to his son, Jesse, and then eventually David. Jeremiah, the prophet, 23.5, says this, concerning biblical prophecy. He said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will rise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. This is a messianic prophecy talking about the very thing that God did through Ruth and her faithfulness, that a king would come 
And that's in Christ Jesus. And that's what we're going to be celebrating over the next month. A king who came to be born in a crib, to be born to us, and to give us life again and to restore us from our sin. You see, Jesus, our Messiah and Redeemer, came through the line of an impoverished woman who trusted God and did not give up. Trusted God when it seemed impossible. Trusted God when there seemed to be no other way. She trusted the Lord. And because of her faith, God changed her life. In fact, what God did was God rewrote her story. I want, you, I want that to sink in. God wants to rewrite your story. You may be here today and you say, Pastor, man, I've, I made some really dumb decisions in my past. Or I've done a lot of bad things. I've got a lot of skeletons in my closet. Listen, God desires to rewrite your story. What is the point of this story? Is it simply a good love story? If it's just that, then we're missing the big picture. You can watch a wonderful, good love story on the Hallmark Channel, okay? So if you want to do that, okay, maybe, maybe. But you can do that. But this isn't what this is about. This is so much more. The story of Ruth points to a perfect redeemer who changes our future. That's the point of Ruth. The the point of Ruth is a perfect redeemer who changes our future. And the story of Ruth is a perfect picture of what we see in Christ Jesus. So if we don't connect the story to Jesus, then it's just another story. And I want you to understand that Jesus gave up everything to reach us. He became poor so that we could become rich, the word of God says. He gave up his life so that we could have eternal life. Jesus came to rescue us, and not only rescue us, but to restore us and give us life and life more abundantly. He took our brokenness and redeemed us for his glory. Listen, if, if you will never understand a relationship with God until you understand your own brokenness. You can, if we bring anything to the table, if we bring any of our righteousness to the table, God rejects that. Because it has nothing to do with you and I. It has everything to do with what Christ did for us. If we come to the table of Christ in our brokenness and humility, that's where God restores us. We can never understand the depths of God's grace unless we understand the depths of our brokenness and our sin. Because the whole reason why Jesus came and the whole reason why he gave his life on the cross was to take your sin and my sin upon himself to be our substitute and to redeem us from the brokenness of sin and the bondage that sin and how it separated us from God. Jesus rescues us from that. So now he takes all our brokenness and all the things that we did and he redeems it and now he uses it for his purposes and his glory. My past failures, my bitterness, my guilt from bad decisions, God takes that all and lays it on his son, Jesus. Now, what does the name Obed mean? Well, it's interesting. The word Obed means servant and worshiper of God. 
And what we see in Naomi is something that begins to transform in her heart. When Naomi comes to Bethlehem, as we read, people see her and, and they say, hey, that's Naomi, we know her. And she says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitter. She comes in to Bethlehem bitter and she's distraught and she seems hopeless. Not that she has given up on God, she's just being honest with her feelings. But now she holds Obed in her arms and she sees what God is doing. And now she sees God and she begins to worship him. Noah, Naomi comes to Bethlehem bitter, but now she is worshiping God and seeing what God is doing right before her very eyes. See, verse 16 tells us that Naomi took Obed and, and placed him in her arms, and it tells us that she took care of him. She saw with her very eyes the redemption of God, and she begins to worship him. She begins to see what God is doing right before her very eyes. Through all her brokenness, through all the things that have happened in her life, she's seeing how God is using it for his purposes and his glory. I want to give you just a couple passages that I hope encourage you about God rescuing us and redeeming us and how it changes our lives. Um, Psalms 107, 2 and 3. Let me just read that for you. And as I was studying my notes this morning, I just, I just, these verses I just thought were so important and I wanted to read those to you. But Psalms 107, 2 and 3 says this, Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. Those he's redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he's gathered from the land, from the east and the west, from the north and the south. But the psalmist is telling us, those that have been redeemed, we have something to be thankful for. We can thank the Lord. And and, in fact, in verse 1 of 107, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his love endures forever. He has redeemed us. And we have something to be thankful for. Let the redeemed say so. Let them rejoice in what God has done for them. And then in the New Testament, we see in Colossians 1 and 3, the redemption of Christ in our lives and what he has done for, for us. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says this, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. There's this great transference that happens for those that are in Christ Jesus. He transfers us from the kingdom of darkness into this kingdom of light. light. And, and it's through Christ Jesus who has rescued us from this darkness through his beautiful sacrifice for you and I, for the forgiveness of our sins. And then 1 Peter chapter 1, I love this. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 18 and 19 says this. And I want you to listen to what Jesus does for us. Peter says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of the life handed down to you from your forefathers. But it was with per- but it was with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. What Peter is saying is that there is nothing in this world that could redeem you. 
there's nothing in this world that can make you right before God. There's not enough gold or silver in this world. It wasn't those things that made you right before God, but it was through the precious blood of Jesus Christ and his perfect sacrifice that we were redeemed and bought back from the bondage of sin. And those are the things that we can be thankful for. We are redeemed people, not because of anything we've done, but what Christ has already done for us. Let me just say, to me, that is such good news. For people who feel like they're not good enough, people who feel like life just has beaten them up or when things aren't fair, this is beautiful news for those who feel like they can't do it or they can't run anymore or they just want to give up. Or, or they feel like they never measure up. This is great news for perfectionists who feel like, man, I've got to be perfect, I've got to be perfect, and it's just an empty pit that can never be filled. There's nothing we can do to redeem ourselves. The joy that God desires to give to you through his son Jesus is this joy of saying, stop doing it yourself. Stop doing it yourself. It's not about your righteousness. It's not about your religiosity. You come to me by faith and completely trust me and I will redeem all that mess and all that cruddy stuff in your past and I'll redeem it. Not only will I redeem it, but I'm going to use you now for my glory. That is such a humbling thing that God uses us in spite of ourselves. Amen? That's so good. That's the good news of the gospel. So what Ruth does is Ruth just simply avails herself to the God of Naomi, not expecting anything, humbly walking before God, trusting the word of Naomi, seeing how Naomi, when she was with her, how she trusted God and there was something in her mother-in-law that she saw that caused her to trust the God of Israel. And she had nothing else to do. It was a completely hopeless situation, but she simply trusted God and walked by faith and God redeemed her life. Let me ask you a question. Have you let God rewrite your story? Let him rewrite your story. You will not find redemption or validation by trying to find it in this world. You will never find it. Jesus Christ came to give his life for you, to give you value in your life that you can never find by your achievements. Our value comes through a Savior who gave his life for you and I. So you might be here and you're like, Pastor, man, I got a lot of baggage. I got a lot of stuff. Give it to the Lord. Let him rewrite your story. Let him do the work in your heart that only he can do. And I'm not promising you that everything in your life will go the way you want and it will always come up smelling like potpourri. I'm not telling you that. But what I will tell you is this you will have a joy and a peace that this world can never give you. You will have that. And it will help you to persevere through this world. And you'll have a joy because you are worthy because of what Christ has done.
for you. Let him redeem your life. So Father God, as we bow our hearts before you today, we thank you for the powerful story of Ruth and how it connects us and how it can connect it to a Savior that would ultimately be our Kingsman Redeemer. By any which way you look at it, it looked like Ruth was not deserving of it. She was a foreigner. She was an quote-unquote enemy of Israel. But God, you saw past all of that and you saw a woman who trusted you by faith and didn't feel entitled and walked humbly before you. I thank you that you sent a humble servant in Christ Jesus who didn't come to be served, but to serve us and give his life for us as a ransom. Thank you, Jesus, for doing everything to purchase us back. None of us in this room, none of us watching online, deserve it or earned it or credited it or merited it. But Jesus, you came, and through your mercy and your grace, you came to restore us and to redeem us back. Lord, may you take our past and all our stuff and we just lay it at your feet. And we humble ourselves before a beautiful Savior who did everything to restore us. May we live that grace and that mercy out in our lives every day. Lord, may we never take for granted your sacrifice, your death. May we never take that for granted. And thank you that when we peer into that empty tomb, our hope is in a risen Savior who said, even though you die, you will live. Our sins no longer have its grip on us. Death no longer has its sting for those who put their faith and their trust in Christ Jesus. Thank you for the hope that you give us. Thank you that it's all because of you, Jesus, and what you accomplished for us. We love you, we praise you, and we just ask these things in Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. And all God's children said, amen. Can we just thank Jesus today and thank him for, thank God for his word today and for his redemption. Praise God. Amen. Amen. We're going to close in, in, in song today and just sing about what Jesus has done for us, why he came. Can we just worship him? Can we just thank Jesus? He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Listen, when you wake up tomorrow, just thank him. Just thank him for what he's done in your heart and in your life. You know, there may not be a whole lot of good things happening in your life, but there's always something that we can thank God for. And we can always thank him for his precious gift of salvation and restoring us and redeeming us. So let's just thank him and let's worship him as we sing this unto Christ. Would you stand with me? God bless you as you sing this unto him. Amen.